Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our show offers a friendly conversation with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by the Learn It family of companies, including Autism Spectrum Therapies, Trellis Services, and Desert Choice Schools, helping all children succeed in school and life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Um, I am really excited to be back with you guys. Um, it has uh, been a little while. It feels like it's been a bit of a whirlwind uh, traveling across the country, um, doing a whole lot of different things um, for uh, my my team, my family of companies. Um, we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of things. Um, providing some different services in some new locations um, in Chicago and New Mexico and in Baltimore, um, and it's been really, really exciting. Um, but one of the things that's happened in kind of my day-to-day world in the last few few weeks in particular has been uh, right here back home in California, um, and it was a really good reminder of, you know, how much things can change as much as you kind of think things are, are stagnant or, or or I shouldn't say stagnant, but more more defined and, and in place and stable, there are things that can come along and kind of shake it. What I'm referring to is you know, we've had our California uh, insurance mandate for about six years now, and everything has been going really well with it. We're all adjusted to it as providers. Our parents and families that we work with are really well adjusted to it in terms of what their expenses are going to be, how services are approved, what the insurance companies are looking for, how programs are designed. It's been a really um, uh, challenging transition, but one that we thought we were at the end of. And lo and behold, it came around that the law itself has a sunset. It wasn't an indefinite permanent law. It wasn't a mandate that was never going to expire, but there was actually an expiration date. Most people I worked with had no idea. Most families we worked with had no idea. So we put a a last-minute charge, got everyone involved, got voices out there, and we had a really great assemblyman who was really passionate about making sure that this law stayed in place. And late last week, we found out that not only had the bill passed, but our governor signed the bill immediately. And um, they not only extended the mandate, but they removed the expiration clause altogether. So now, in fact, it is a permanent law that is in place and is stable. But it was this great reminder of how things can change and how things can change very suddenly and the things that we kind of need to keep an eye on. Um, And, you know, we fight so many fights. There's so many challenges that all of us fight, you know, when we think about our kids with autism and it's, it's parents, it's providers, it's, it's family members, it's friends, it's professionals. I mean, it's, we all have our different roles to play. um, And there's so many of those challenges and fights and struggles. And we, we're always talking about making time to celebrate the success. And it's just that reminder of, you know, there's some other things for us to keep an eye on. Um, but in this case, what was really great is that we were able to kind of look out for one another. It wasn't all of us identifying it at the same time, but a smaller group raising awareness to the larger group to say, now it's all of us 
fight for this. Let's all of us advocate for this. Um, and because of all these voices, because of the presence we created as a, as a larger team, um, it was a very uh, successful campaign and something that both our uh, assembly, our senators, and, and our governor had, uh, had no reason not to support. So with that in mind, we're going to pivot a bit and, and go to today's guest. Today I'm joined by Gail Singer-Chang. Uh, Gail is the Senior Executive Director um, at the Office of Multidisciplinary Collaboration, as well as the Chair and Assistant Professor of the Department of Social Medicine, Healthcare Leadership, and the Founding Chair of Faculty for Autism Collaboration and Education, otherwise known as FACE, at the College of Osteopathic Medicine of the Pacific at Western University of Health Sciences. Gail, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. So I am uh, really excited to talk to you because I just got exposed to FACE probably like one or two weeks ago. Like this is a whole new thing for me, um, and it, it just seems really cool. And so I, I guess my first question that I, that I had, and I, I know everyone's going to um, have as well, is like what is FACE? What does it do? Okay, so um, I'll tell you just a little bit about the history of it because I think that will will really answer uh, answer that cool. question. Um, I have a son with autism, and I was fortunate enough to be at uh, Western University of Health Sciences as all of this was kind of going down for me. Um, he's 16 now, my son, but um, you know we've been dealing with this since around the age of two. So I've been there a long time. And the campus emerged to include nine different health profession colleges. So we have everything from osteopathic medicine to dentistry, um, optometry, podiatry, nursing, uh, PT, physical therapy, um, PA, physical assist, uh, physician assistants, uh, school of pharmacy, school of vet med. So I was in a very interdisciplinary environment. And the president of the university at the time, uh, Philip Pumerant, said, you know, you can't be the only one. We have such a, a large campus and, and we're so diverse. There's got to be other folks, other faculty members, other uh, professionals here that either have kids with autism or um, are treating kids with autism. So why don't you kind of feel around and see um, if there's other folks on campus that you can connect with and see what Western U can do um, around autism. So I shot an email out, and I immediately got back uh, maybe 20 to 30 emails. And uh, overnight, practically, I had 20, 25 different faculty members from across the university, ranging from uh, chair of physical therapy, dean of the College of Optometry, um, and so we literally have um, members from every single discipline. And um, our, since we have a interdisciplinary culture, um, we thought that, you know, that's really a value that we can bring to the autism community. Um, so that, um, that is really the goal of FACE, is to promote those interprofessional perspectives. I think um, being where we are at Western U, we have a natural appreciation for each other. We do interprofessional education for our students. Um, mm -hmm. And autism, of course, um, is, is interdisciplinary. 
Um, very rarely, in my experience anyway, and experience of a lot of folks in the group, um, can you take a one-dimensional approach? Um, is there one type of professional, one type of, of doctor or therapist that has all of the answers uh, for that person with autism? So, uh, so our goal, our mission with FACE is to promote those interprofessional perspectives because you never know what is going to ring true. Um, to somebody mm -hmm. who's got a, a person, a child, um, with autism. Um, when I first started getting into this, it was really listening to the other parents um, and the other, the other folks and, you know, kind of being guided along the process. And it's very overwhelming in the beginning. Um, I remember going to uh, conferences and coming home with, you know, 300 page notebook full of PowerPoint slides and then, you know, pretty much crying for a week <laughs> until I figured out what mm. my next step was going to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that was somebody who's trained in psychology. Um, and so our goal for FACE as professionals was, you know what, let's break this down for folks and make this understandable. And then as we start talking with our population and the community, um, it'll be easier for things that seem true for them, uh, rocks that they can overturn, um, to resonate with them, you know, and give them a path to follow. So that's really the basis for faith. So is the, you know, one of the things that I was a little un unclear about, and, and I think I know the answer, but I, but it, I was unclear, is, you know, is the focus um, solely taking this philosophy, taking this interdisciplinary vision and providing it to these students who are going to become the future, um, you know, professionals treating kids with autism, or is there also a uh, arm of faith that's providing this interdisciplinary, I guess, treatment or evaluation to kids on the spectrum? Okay, so faith is multifaceted. And so mm -hmm. certainly since we are in an um, educational institution, we do provide some education. Um, we have students that do research capstone projects with us. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of professional kinds of development. We're um, asked to talk at different events. For instance, uh, for a couple of years we did a, um, uh, the professional development day for the school nurses in the Pomona Unified School District. Mm -hmm. So we get out oh, wow. and do things like that. Um, we also uh, have had a couple of different forums. We took over the Trends in Autism conferences from Casa Kalina, um, mm -hmm. and they very graciously had you know, started a, a wonderful program, and, and we were fortunate enough to be able to take that over. Um, so we've had a couple of forums. Um, actually, we just, just took it over a couple of years ago. Um, had a couple of forums where um, we had everybody from people in the community, um, parents, um, educators, professionals um, come um, also to, uh, to participate in the event with different speakers. Um, mm -hmm. And then we are also sometimes asked to talk to student clubs, um, which we do, um, and I've been to different campuses to do that as well. For instance, nice. Cal State Fullerton uh, Medical Student Association, um, places like that. Um, and then we do have a patient care center, and we do have some uh, doctors over there that do see patients with autism. Um, we have a doctor that does um, osteopathic takes an osteopathic approach. She's a DO, mm -hmm. um, and she actually um, 
does things like um, the cranial sacral um, work. And um, actually, we had done um, a show for the Autism Channel called Autism Intersection, and she's featured um, in that show, in a segment on that show, which you can see on our website, um, doing uh, an osteopathic approach to, uh, to patients with autism. Um, we have some of our vision therapists over there um, and some mm-hmm. of our dental folks over there as well and our folks from podiatry. So um, very, wow. very interdisciplinary, a place where, um, you know, certainly some of our practitioners are there. Um, in addition to that, we also have some uh, researchers on our team. Um, one of them is the dean of the College of Graduate Basic Sciences, uh, Dr. Michelle Bowdry. Um, and he and his wife, Dr. B, she's with um, the College of Osteopathic Medicine as well as uh, Graduate Basic Sciences. They have a research lab um, at COMP, uh, College of Osteopathic Medicine, which is focused on uh, genetic research, neurodegenerative disorders. And they wow. have found um, some interesting things related to angel man syndrome. Um, and so virtually really? every... Yes, there's I think about a 30% overlap if I'm if recalling correctly. Um, so uh, there's there's definitely some interesting things going on from lots of different perspectives, and then we have students mm-hmm. participating in research as well. So um, you know certainly they are going to be the next generation, and yeah. we need their fresh eyes to be able to to look at the situation and and see what kinds of creative solutions they're going to come up with. So, you know, you you guys clearly have so many cool things going on. Um, you know, when we think about, you know, obviously some of it's educational to the community, some students, some are is the treatment, the research. You know, when we think about this, like, interdisciplinary, I guess, model, you know, the, that, that interdisciplinary cross-section, you know, one of the things that I've, I've kind of learned and seen, like, up up close and personal is, you know, people make the assumption, well, you know, we're going to be an autism center, and we're going to provide, you know, right. in my world, it's ABA, it's speech, it's OT, and, you know, we're all here under the same roof, so we're going to be interdisciplinary. And, right. you know, I've seen just because you're in the same four walls doesn't mean you're actually interdisciplinary because that no, doesn't you're mean you're actually working together. Right. You can still be very siloed. Yeah. Um, and, in so fact, I've, you... I've seen interdisciplinary programs created and and they've basically created an interdisciplinary silo. (laughs) So, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that's unique is that um, our our group is is different in the sense that um, we don't take the uh, approach that one one way to approach autism is better than another because you don't Mm -hmm. know what that patient is going to need. So it's really about being patient-centered. Um, and that's one of the hallmarks of Western U as well, is really taking a, a humanistic patient-centered approach. And mm-hmm. we literally, one of our segments on the Autism Channel is the, the vision therapist and the physical therapist in the ball pit together um, with the patient. And when you see how they understand what the other one contributes um, and that they, they're able to incorporate that and work together, you can actually see it in real time how it, it goes farther for the patient. And, and that's really the hallmark. Um, we didn't want to have a situation where, um, you know, if you, you are, are in the field, you probably see that it's, it's very political. It can be very divisive. It yeah. can be very polarizing. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, you know, not to, to, 
to use this term in a negative way, but it can be, seem very autistic in some ways, um, the field mm-hmm. around autism. And you have some parts over-functioning and some parts under-functioning and, and you know, miscommunications. And, um, and we wanted FACE to be different. Uh, we wanted to have a value for all perspectives so that when we provide resources for the community, um, you know, they can see what fits for them. We provide the information, not the judgment about it um, as educators. And that was part of it is really breaking down that information for them um, mm-hmm. so that they could, they could take it in and understand what their different options are. And I think we also have some um, therap- therapists and professionals that come from perspectives you don't often think of. So, for instance, mm-hmm. um, the dental perspective. Um, I know for my yeah. son, we actually, uh, we've done a lot of biomedical work in ad- addition to lots and lots of other therapies, um, mm-hmm. but we noticed that we were having a lot of recurrent uh, gut infections, and I think that's something that is fairly well known as is kind of common, and um, mm-hmm. they would keep coming back after we would treat them. And um, when I took my son to the doctor, he said, you know what, He please look at his teeth because I've noticed that he's really got a lot of plaque buildup, and no matter how much we clean them, it seems to keep coming back. And that cued the doctor off that he had biofilm. And so, you know, that was an issue that was preventing some of the, the gut uh, healing to take place because that was, you know, in his gut as well. And so we were able to then address that, and then his, his medical treatment ended up going a lot farther. And that was from looking at his teeth. Hmm. So, you know, you don't always think about those things. Um, so we have that whole oral hygiene perspective. And then, you know, hmm. how, do, how do dentists work um, to maintain oral health care for a child that doesn't want anybody near their mouth? Um, and so uh, we also have the, the vision therapy perspective. That's not something that's often um, seen or understood as important, but that whole visual processing system, uh, not so much about eyesight, but about how the brain mm-hmm. processes visual information and how does mm-hmm. that integrate with their, um, you know, their gait and their posture and how they walk and their, their visual motor abilities. And so, you know, we really, it was very obvious to us how it was all connected. You know, listening to to what you're saying, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, I, I naturally try and think about it. Okay, well, how would I apply this, these concepts to what it is that we do on that, like, day-to-day therapy front? You know, you, you've got this concept from this medical point of view, you know, and being an ABA person doing ABA therapy, working with PTOT speech, working with right. maybe a, a psychiatrist, uh, maybe a psychologist, a, an MD. Um, you know, you, you hit a couple of key concepts, and, and I'm curious if you guys have found in your in your work um, particular best practices. Like you, you've got the well, we have two people in the ball pit together, so we have right. overlapping sessions. You've got a. Um, it sounds like some sort of like let's bring a bunch of people to review progress together on multiple disciplines, and you've got a little bit of well. Simply, let's educate the other disciplines on what it is that I do and what I'm looking at. Right. So if they see something, it may trigger. Is there one best practice of the three that is kind of most critical, or is there maybe a best practice 
that we haven't, like I haven't even mentioned um, from all of this that is really important for practitioners to be aware of if they're going to try and, and be multidiscipline or I should say interdiscipline? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, you know, it's working together in this kind of capacity is, you know, not mm-hmm. something that you see all the time. It's fairly yeah. new, and we don't have research necessarily to back it up, but that would be a great research study to do. We just know what we see and the impact on the patient um, and yeah. the, the value of the discussions that we bring um, to the community. So um, so we've, we've really been functioning more kind of on that grassroots level. Um, yeah. Certainly it's a great question. It would be wonderful to have some evidence-based practices to, to back it up. Um, I do think that, you know, as you said originally, that you could have people in the same building, but they're not necessarily, um, you know, integrating with each other. And I think it's important for uh, practitioners to have the discussions and understand what the value is that the other brings. Um, the yeah. education uh, that our students get at Western U, I mean, they literally, the, the students from the nine different colleges, um, will sit in a room several times a year and all look at the same patient case. And so they're learning that mm-hmm. from each other, and we do have an autism case that's in that curriculum. Nice. Um, so I think part of it has to do with educating the next generation. Um, but as far as um, today's therapists, I think it's really important to get in the room with each other, and then you can see for yourself the value that the other perspective brings. So I have an interesting um you know, with what we're talking about, you know, obviously, well, what we're talking about is something I, I to me just makes perfect sense. Um, but, but in that effort to kind of put myself in another person's shoes, um, I had a conversation with a parent recently, and um, your your uh, story about the ball pit on your autism channel kind of triggered this memory. Um, we were looking to we were working with this individual. And uh, we were looking to do the same thing. And we wanted to do the two disciplines uh, together more frequently. And one of the comments I got back is, um, wouldn't this take away from the therapy? You know, if I have um, an OT and an an ABA person together, working together, doesn't the the two together take away from one another? Because you can't just do your ABA because they're together and they're distracting my child from that discipline. Um, Have you ever gotten that type of question um, or or do you have an an answer or advice for that parent who who might be thinking that? Well, yeah, a couple of things that I can think. Um, One of the the folks, actually my my co-chair of of FACE, she is um, the associate dean for the College of Allied Health. She is a Uh master physical therapist. She's actually trained both in ABA and sensory integration. So she's a walking example of having everything in one place. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what I would say is, you know, certainly I think the the pure disciplines and the pure types of therapy sessions could have value, Mm -hmm. but what would be the harm in maybe having some of each? You know, what would be the harm in trying, you know, have the pure sessions and then have a combined session? And, you know, who's to say that that wouldn't help the, the child take that, even further, because ultimately it's the child or the person with autism that has to integrate all of that, right, mm-hmm. to be able to function better. That's ultimately the purpose. So, you yeah. know, I would say that the more opportunities that they have um, to help support that integration, 
um, to me it makes sense that, you know, the, the better. But at the same time, um, since autism is so um, uh, inconsistent, you know, so many of our, when you're looking at the pediatric population, there's kind of that Swiss cheese, you know, where there's some things they're amazing at, and then there's these developmental gaps, um, things that haven't been filled in. So the more uh, safe and supported places that they have opportunities to integrate everything, um, mm-hmm. to me that makes sense. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, well, I want to I want to pivot for for a moment. Um, you mentioned this earlier, and and I think it's really uh, good for us to talk about, especially since it's coming up. Is um, you mentioned that FACE has taken over the um, annual Trends in Autism event, um, yeah. and you guys have been doing that for a few years. So um, I know this is coming up, and this year's um, forum is going to be called Facing Adult Transition. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the event and, and what's going to be covered? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, one of the goals of FACE is to, to make sure that, uh, you know, we are not excluding our emerging adult population. Um, Really, there's almost kind of a secondary crisis that's getting created as a lot of these folks now are starting to age out of the school system. And I think I read a statistic that said something like 86% of them are at home with no path and nothing to do. Um, And so we really have a population that's potentially getting marginalized here if that, in fact, is, is the case. Um, and when you look at, um, you know, here's the ship, you know, sailing towards falling off the flat earth, <laughs> you know, there's really not a lot there, and things are just starting to emerge. And so um, really recognizing that this is not just a, a pediatric disorder, but that um, there are some really neat, innovative things starting to emerge um, to create pathways for our adults. And so we, mm-hmm. um, we have made some great connections in FACE. Um, we have connected with Lillian Vazquez, who is the marketing director over at KVCR um, in the Inland mm-hmm. Empire. And um, she has um, not only a son, but she has an uh, autism initiative over there, and she's done some amazing work. Um, and she created a documentary called Autism Behind the Camera. And so we were kind of putting our heads together thinking about the, the things that have um, really been the highlights of the past events that we have done. And the best feedback that we get is that, you know, our goal when you're looking at the trends in autism, I think, as I mentioned at the very beginning, was we didn't want to send people home with a notebook full of PowerPoints and have them try to digest it themselves and, and be completely overwhelmed. We wanted people to, to leave saying, okay, this is what the trends in autism mean specifically for me. And so our goal is for everybody to leave there having made a new connection, having a new resource, having a new uh, you know, direction to look in, a new therapy service to consider, a, a pathway. And um, we do that because we uh, like to make ourselves very available at these events. Um, and so we, we want to be available and interact with our folks. So we decided to kind of combine all of this and said, wouldn't it be great if we could show a movie? Um, let's do something mm-hmm. a little different that's a little more grassroots and organic. And, and um, you know, Lillian uh, agreed to show her documentary, which highlights a nice. program called Normal Films. And um, it's, it's really about um, creating a pathway 
for these folks that have aged out of the system and um, are and have, are starting to get marginalized, but creating a way for them to gain some employment skills and, and some socialization skills and, and give them something um, to do that has meaning for them. And so uh, Lillian's going to show her documentary, and then we have a wonderful panel full of different types of programs that are emerging. Um, one of them is Maristem. Maristem is a community engagement program with the focus on employment, uh, transitioning to work and employable skills. Um, right now they're in Fair Oaks, but they're actually uh, looking to expand here um, in the Southern California area. Um, they're based on 40 years of research in the UK, and it's a very elegant wow. program. Um, the campus is amazing, and they actually teach their students organic farming and woodwork and metalwork wow. with master craftsmen. Um, they create amazing things, and then they teach them to sell those things in the community. So it's really a community integration um, initiative, and um, it's it's really growing and expanding. So they will be talking about their program. Um, another uh, program that's going to be there is the Brilliant Learning Center. Um, one of the things that we noticed, and we're um, starting a study between Western U and the Brilliant Learning Center, is that um, for folks who are, are starting to reach the, the high school level, that there's a tendency to put um, put the, the kids either on a certificate of completion track or a diploma track. And, um, and there's really not a lot of rhyme or reason why somebody gets placed on one other than the other. And typically the certificate of completion track uh, will have some life skills while the high school diploma track does not. So it's really unclear, um, you know, how this, this kind of emerged and, and um, you know, why a more integrated approach is not necessarily taking place. Um, and for some folks, a certificate of completion track is a huge accomplishment, and it's, it's great. Um, for others, they may want more of a diploma um, and may be able to achieve that if they have the right kinds of learning opportunities. Um, our school system is completely overwhelmed and overloaded, and um, all of the research is showing that there's huge gaps in, in how people are trained and, and what they know. So. You know, you have a lot of compassion for the, the school system getting overwhelmed with all of this also. Um, but one of the things that we're looking to do with the Brilliant Learning Center is to use some techniques that have been shown to be more effective with uh, folks with autism and see if, if they've aged out of the system, um, that they can get their, something closer to their uh, diploma, like a GED. So uh, that will create more opportunities for them for college and employment if that's somewhere that they want to go. Um, another uh, person that's coming to talk um, on our panel is from Vocational Steps, and uh, Jackie Martin is creating a new program called Customized Employment. I love that term. Um, so we're very excited to, to hear from her. And then we're also going to have um, a father who is interested in starting a, a business for um, people with autism, to employ people with autism. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to kind of start sharing with the community that you know, um, it's time to, to come together and be creative and innovative and hear some of the things that are happening. Um, we don't necessarily have to accept that our, our kids and our, our people with autism are, are going to age out of the system and kind of get shuttered in, right? So, um, so I think it's a really nice opportunity to start 
um, hearing what other people are doing and providing hope that those pathways are starting to emerge. Um, and one of the things that we're really excited about is uh, Lillian actually, uh, Vasquez had worked with the Autism Society to create this at another event, so we're going to try to recreate it here, is to actually have a little shopping bazaar area where people with autism can showcase their art and their products and sell nice. them at our event. So really um, kind of putting our money where our mouth is and, and um, you know, supporting uh, people in the autism community towards that, uh, that work and that employment and, and making a meaningful contribution. I, I really like that there's this um, all these different components, not just to, well, here's this skill, now you can go create this, but right. here's some information and, and skills to actually go about selling or running a business. Um, right. Because that was something that I, I attended a workshop on this about a year ago that that really, you know, it seems so obvious, is, yeah. but it, but it's not. You know, we've we've all tried to do these different vocational programs, and you know, we give we're, we're teaching this skill where they're getting, you know, okay, great, you have these skills to now be able to go do this job or to now be able to run this, to do right. this program, but we never take it that next step of, but you have to be able to make a living on it and to sustain yourself. <laughs> so yeah, like we're all focused on the skill without right. the sustainability of money flowing in. So I think it's really cool there's that this entrepreneurship component that you've referred, I think, about three or four times with some of these different programs so that that's yeah. not getting lost. No, it's definitely not. And it's very similar to what you were saying earlier about, you know, if they um, – you know, get they get splinter skills, right? They get splinter yeah. skills, and it, it it almost kind of adds to that Swiss cheese in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we're also very excited to have um, autism spectrum therapies there, because I know that um, in in speaking with um, Christina and Sabrina, that that the approach there is is that um, behavioral approach to the life skills. Um, I know that um, Lillian Vasquez has also done a lot of work in the community, and Maristem does a lot of work in the community, um, kind of training folks from the other side. Um, There are Mm -hmm. so many um, talents and skills that um, our folks with autism have, but they're not necessarily going to pass that traditional interview. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's kind of that gatekeeping thing. Um, And so we really need to train our folks in the community um, to be able to to understand um, our our autistic population better, and and to embrace the things that they can they can contribute, uh, because they can be absolutely amazing workers. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. The, you know I think you know I've, I've talked to a few different people on the show and, and in other kind of avenues. You know I think when we talk about Splinter skills, and and I and oh. talk about kind of like the key skills um, that our young adults on the spectrum are really going to need as they they transition into adulthood. You know, I I think sometimes, at least from a behavioral perspective, we get so stuck on he needs this skill or he needs that skill, and we lose sight right. of what critical concepts does this person need to understand. You know, and right. I always go back to well. It's not the skill he needs. It's how does someone go about like self-monitoring and self-managing themselves? How do I right. go about like organizing my thoughts so that way when I'm introduced to a new situation, I almost have a process. You know, the yeah, skill to generalize is it or developing apply it a process. Appropriately. 
Yeah, like that's the skill. Like I, I worked with one young man where this, the goal was for him to learn how to create like an organizational checklist, yeah. not to create a checklist to get himself ready for school, but we right. had to actually teach him how do you identify what steps need to go in it yeah. Not necessarily, it wasn't so much the following, it was the developing. And once he learned that skill, like everything else kind of came together. Right. And, and I, you know, I sometimes think, they take longer to get there sometimes because yes. of the developmental holes or so many of them actually have medical problems. A lot of, a lot of times mm-hmm. those medical problems are not diagnosed or treated or just thought that they're part of autism. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I recently talked to a doctor who said that he's got a whole population of 20-year-old young men who are ready now to do the things that that you typically would have seen when they were teenagers. Um, Things like, you know, learning learning driving possibly, or now maybe Mm -hmm. being ready and mature enough to to grasp the concepts you need to get a high school diploma. So that's... That, I think, is what's exciting about these programs that are emerging because we're going yeah. back and capturing that marginalized population that didn't take a traditional path. Um, but in listening to what you were saying, I think that's also the, the – uh, looking at the individual skills, and but then having them know where to generalize and apply it. And that's yeah. one of the things that's really important for practitioners and for family members, too, is this isn't a forest or the trees. And a lot of times we're either good at seeing the forest or the trees. Yeah. And when you're working all together, it helps you better see both the forest and the trees and how they all fit together. And that gives more room and more enriching environment, more options to help our folks with autism navigate through. I, that, you know, I, I really like that. I think that's a really great point because – you know, it, 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 we do tend to be such an either-or type of uh, yeah. society, and to be able to bring it together is just, I mean, that is the pure form best practice we could get out of all of this. Yeah. Um, I have one other question, and this one just kind of occurred to me within the scope of all of this, and this, this may not be part of the, the event. It may be something that you guys look at at face. You know, one of the things um, – with the transition to adulthood. And I was thinking about this in relation to what you were saying about the doctor um, with the 20 year olds now ready to yeah. do the, the teenager things. You know, um, one of the, the re- pieces of research that I have always found really fascinating because it, it, from a, from a day to day experience, it just seems so true is um, there was a lot of research um, done. I know a number of people have done it, but UCLA did an, um, a lot of this uh, a number of years back where they were looking at individuals on the spectrum, um, particularly folks who were ready for this type of employment and, and some of the, the skills we're talking about, in those teenage years start to see higher levels of anxiety. Um, yeah. They start to see those types of trends and changes around puberty, which, you know, really made sense. They start to become a lot more self-aware. And and one of the hardest things of your puberty and teenage years is, you know, I think everyone goes through this is, oh, my God, I am now aware that I'm different and different isn't always viewed as a good thing. And so I think everyone goes through this anxiety. But our kids on the spectrum, as they grow up, we're really seeing higher levels. Um, You know, is is that that piece is this you know we've been talking a lot about this from a skill point of view but i'm i'm curious if some of this 
you know, whether it be anxiety, whether it be yeah. some of the, like, emotional, mental things going on, is any of that going to be covered, or is that something that face kind of looks at within the realm of this kind of a adulthood and adult transition? Well, I think it's certainly a piece of it, and, you know, yeah. I, I think you see such a broad range, and some of it depends on the environment and the support system, <laughs> the school systems that they're in. Um, you know, I've seen everything from, you know, uh, the, the uh, you know, the teenager, you know, very sadly, you know, taking their own life. I've, I've heard of situations mm. like that. Um, but then I've seen situations on the other side when the school district is inclusive and the community is amazing. And, right. Um, the person doesn't necessarily feel that their, their difference is negative. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think um, this really comes into play when um, we need to have more understanding. We need to have more education. Uh, we need to yeah. educate the communities about acceptance and, um, mm-hmm. you know, about embracing differences. And uh, what's been exciting for, for me is uh, working with folks of some of the younger generations. Sometimes they're called the millennials. And I see a, a tremendous amount of uh, of support and respect um, and things like that, but I know that's not true in every case. And so, right. um, you know, certainly it's it's important, uh, especially for our folks with autism who don't communicate verbally um, or you know have have difficulty communicating. That we need to be able to understand what the signs of that anxiety and that suffering are. Um, we need to be able to interpret that for them and and help them find meaningful ways to to deal with that. Um, and so that's really where that education and that understanding comes in. And the the more um, different perspectives can be can be brought in, the more likely you're going to be to catch something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, we're kind of winding down here, um, but before we do, I want to make sure you, you've mentioned a few different resources. There's a few different things, um, uh, and I wanted to at least give a couple minutes to because I think it's a really cool. Is you mentioned the autism channel and the yeah. different things you guys have been posting there? Tell us a little bit about that um, and what, where, where it's at, where people can find it, and what's on it because it, it, it's a really cool resource, and I think it's, oh, it's, it's really amazing. worth. I, I wouldn't want us to skip it. So. Okay, so let's talk great. about yeah, that. Yeah, no, too. we were so excited to connect with them. Um, the um, uh, are over in Florida. Um, they're called uh, Flying Pig Studio, I believe, is mm-hmm. is uh, the folks who do Ray Smithers and uh, uh, is behind it, and um, they um, they are just an amazing resource. They're on Roku, and they're also on Panasonic Smart TV. And um, it's basically, it's very similar to Faith, which is, I I think, why we kind of resonated with them. Um, They have programs for everybody on there. And in realizing that their audience is, you know, typically going to be parents with uh, kids with autism or uh, professionals, they realize that nobody has time to sit down and watch a two-hour show and take notes. Um, so they wanted to make videos that were very, um, you know, you could take little user bites. You know, you could take in a little uh, five- to ten-minute video on a topic of interest. And so um, they have these videos that stream, and they have content on there for everybody. They have 
um, shows about special education. They have shows about different therapies. They have cooking shows. They have music therapy shows. They have um, legal resources. They have shows by people with autism. Um, and it's just this incredible resource, and it's it's one of those resources where um, the information is there, and you know you you pick what resonates to you and what speaks to you, and so it's very uh, similar to Face in that way, and so it's just an amazing resource. They have a viewership, I think, probably approaching about quarter of a million globally, um, and mm-hmm. to their credit, they. Um, They've partnered with JetBlue, and they've partnered with uh, Royal Caribbean Cruises, um, who actually I think one of one of Western U's clips um, was selected to air on Royal Caribbean Cruises because they wanted to make um, their programming more user-friendly. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of the really interactive ones where the physical therapist is working with the special needs dentist um, to help right. a, a young girl with autism get through her dental appointment. Um, so it's it's an incredible resource. I highly recommend that uh, anybody in the autism community who's you know looking for answers and and you know you should never stop turning over stones. Um, is is it's a great place to to look and and connect with something that you're probably going to find meaningful. So they're on Roku and Panasonic smart TVs, um, or you can visit the AutismChannel.tv. Very cool. Thank you. I'm, I I wanted to make yeah. sure we highlighted that because there's some cool stuff there, and you know it, it's it's one of those things that I'm constantly being reminded of is you know there, we've got people listening from all over the country and and different you know actually even people in other countries as well, and it's yeah, it's, it's just global. really great to be it's able to have those resource. other resources. Um, you know we're we're out of time. Um, you mentioned the we've talked about the event, and so the um, trends uh, annual trends in autism event is going to be October fifteenth um, on the Western U campus from nine to one. Yes. Um, and then um, anyone interested out there in learning more about Face, learning more about Western U, um, where can they go to get more information? Um, they can go to www. Dot westernu.edu slash face, F-A-C-E, slash www.westernu.edu slash face forward slash. Awesome. Gail, thank you so much for being here. It was great talking to you. It was great to learn thank more about so face much. and all the work you guys are doing. Thank you so much. It was absolutely wonderful to, to speak with you, and I so appreciate the opportunity to um, to reach out to the autism community. Thank you so much. That's great, and we'll see you at we'll see you at the uh, annual trends in autism. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. So thanks, everybody, for being here today. Um, it was really great to, to talk to you all again and, and to um, start off with such a great guest. I mean, I think everything that Gail is talking about and everything that um, that FACE is doing is is really cool. It, it's, as we were saying, really rare to truly see interdisciplinary practice. Um, I'm seeing more and more multidisciplinary programs, but, but as a general Gail, you know, every time I see a multidisciplinary program, it seems like they're multidisciplinary in that they're all in the same four walls, but truly not that 
interdisciplinary approach where people are truly coordinating their time, their energy, and treatment to really be aware of what the other is doing. Um, I'm sure you guys out there can really relate to that. I've, I've been on a lot of those IEP teams where, you know, in theory, we're this interdisciplinary IEP team, but it's pretty clear that the different therapies, the different people are, are really not working together. Um, they may all be at that table, but the, the programs, the services our kids are getting are not linking up. And, and we have some really great ideas and, and a really great model here um, in this, the medical side of things that FACE is doing that I think is one that we can learn a lot from and replicate, whether it be in an educational framework and a therapeutic framework or, or other disciplines on the medical side of things. So as always, uh, we're here. Let us know if you've got questions, ideas, thoughts. Uh, you can email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. You can go to the Autism Therapies or Autism Spectrum Therapies uh, Facebook page. That's the one where I think almost all of you feel the most comfortable going to, and, and we love hearing from you. Um, and we will be back uh, real soon. We've got a, a bunch of other shows uh, planned and scheduled that will be coming out. Uh, couple of cool books that have been um, published that we're going to talk to, as well as some more interesting um, people, particularly doing some cool stuff on the transition services side of things. Because, you know, as you guys know, we can never talk enough about the adult transition and, and start planning for adulthood, because that's, that's the one thing we know. Our kids are all going to get older. They're all going to need these types of supports in one way or the other um, when they become teenagers, adults, and, and live those independent lives that we're all hoping for them. So have a great week. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Take care, everybody. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.learnitsystems.org backslash family. Know an inspiring group or individual we should talk to? We would love to hear more from you at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Want to hear more? Listen to previous episodes at www.allautismtalk.com. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.